Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. So good to see you. Hi, everybody online. Nice to connect with you. I miss you. I want to see you again. Come visit us. We want you to come. We know that you're at home and you're still watching and we appreciate that. But we miss you. Hey, guys, do we miss them? We miss you. Come and, come and see us when you feel that you can, when you feel safe. Um, we're in a series in the book of Matthew, and this has been really fun because we've actually been in this series since before Christmas. Um, our whole sort of lead up to Christmas was in the book of Matthew, and we've just continued on, and now we're into chapter four starting today. Um, there's a verse that I'm going to read to you, and then I'll, I'll, um, I'll start the message. And it's, it's the first verse in chapter four. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we're going to talk about the temptation of Jesus today, but I want to review where we've been. Of course, kind of post Christmas, we got into the new year. And that got us into chapter 3 of Matthew. And uh, we heard a message from Pastor Ron about John the Baptist and his ministry. And then last week, Pastor Chris preached about the baptism of Jesus. And in that baptism of Jesus, we find, you know, so many truths. One of the things that I would just say is that, you know, Jesus was obedient. He went into the water. He came immediately out of the water, which was important. And, and uh, he was a sinless one. He was identifying with humanity in his desire to redeem them. And when he came up out of the water, the Bible says that a voice spoke from heaven and God spoke. And he said, this is my son and I'm pleased with him. So you can only imagine the tremendous affirmation that that was to Jesus the incredible swell of, 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 of joy and belonging and identity and just the solidifying of his relationship with his father and the joy of obedience um, that he was now feeling. And the Bible says then, verse 1 of chapter 4, immediately, in fact, it says in, Ma- in Mark, immediately, like right after this, Jesus comes up out of the water and the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted And this week, we're going to talk about the temptation of Jesus. We're going to talk about this wilderness. This wilderness was actually an important geographical place because it's currently, if you were to go to the, the Holy Land today, it's in Jordan. It's on the other side of the Dead Sea. It's on the other side of the Jordan River. Jesus was baptized, and then the the hills to the south of where he was baptized go up along the eastern side of the Dead Sea. And along that eastern side of the Dead Sea are these mountains known as the Desolation. Doesn't that sound pleasing? Place you want to go? I'd like to go to the Desolation. That'd be great. Next to the Dead Sea. Perfect, right? It it wasn't a picnic, friends, right? It, It was a time for him to be alone with God. And actually, there's probably no better place for him to be alone than in a place where no one wants to be. Um, I was just in Arizona, just came back, glad to be home, always, always enjoy going, always enjoy returning, and don't worry, I've had multiple COVID tests, we're all good, okay? Um, 
and so anyway, I, I was in Arizona and I hiked a mountain. It's a mountain that's next to the Bible college that I attended. Um, and it's called Prayer Mountain. And so I was able to go up this mountain. And walking up this mountain, it, it's, it's warm, but not hot. It's like 23 degrees. It's lovely out. And I'm climbing up this mountain to get a view of the city and just to pray like I had done, you know, <clears throat> a few years ago when I was in Bible school. And, and so when I got, when I was climbing the mountain, I realized, man, this mountain is a lot like that desolation. There are no, no, uh, there's no plant life. There's no animals. I didn't see any birds. All I was doing is I was stepping in this, this crumbling stone and sand. It was filling my shoes. It was hard work. It was, it was dry. And even if you were to hear a description of this, this wilderness that was called the desolation, you, you would hear conversations about sand and broken rock and, and, and limestone and, 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 and just nothing. Jesus went there to be alone. He had heard the voice of his father. He had heard the affirmation of his father. It was the beginning of his ministry. And he knew that he needed to hear from God, be alone with God, so that he could now decipher, think through, talk with God about how is this plan actually going to be fulfilled. It wasn't as if Jesus in the manger knew it all, friends. It was as, as for all of us, Jesus grew in his relationship with his father. He understood in time and in season. And this was a specific moment in his life. And I want you to Go with us into it. Go with me into it. And I want you to keep this thought in mind. There was only one person there. And it was Jesus. Much of what you find in your Bible are those who were around Jesus explaining what happened. You know, Jesus said this. Jesus did that. Jesus went there. And then Jesus did this. Jesus is the only one who could have told this story, friends. He was all by himself. And so these words should be kept as sacred for us. We should learn all that we can about them because Jesus very specifically would have sat with his disciples and I can see it kind of around a campfire, you know, the, 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 the light glowing against his face and him saying, I had to wrestle through temptation. Let me tell you about it. And he spoke his specific words and three of the four gospels share these specific words. And I think it's important for us to, to kind of go into that, that Jesus was so honest, so vulnerable with his own temptations because he knew that the disciples would face them too. He knew you would face them. He knew I would face temptation. And so when Jesus went to this place where he was alone, he had to fight through rogue feelings and wrong thoughts and physical human need. And this was also that he could begin his journey to the cross. But see, when we as English speakers look at the word temptation, we only see it as a negative. We see it as sort of that thing that, you know, is enticing you to do what's wrong, leading you into sin, um, dragging you down a wrong path. That's the way that we view temptation. But this isn't the case in the language of the Bible. In fact, this Greek word that we translate temptation is, is it's parazine. That's the Greek word. And it means to test. It's actually about being tested. It's very interesting that Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, went into the wilderness. It's kind of like the children of Israel who went through the Red Sea and then went into the wilderness. They were there for 40 years, Jesus for 40 days. The whole point was Jesus was fixing it all, friends. 
He was going back through the mistakes of humanity. And in his life, he redeemed it all. And this is part of that picture. And so into the wilderness he goes. And it's key for us to understand that what Jesus was undergoing was a test. His faith was being tested. His trust in God tested. He walked from affirmation into the wilderness. And this is often the path for us. We have a really great moment and then we have a wilderness time. So we have to learn what to do there. And Jesus helps us see it. Firstly, let me say, Jesus was sinless. So temptation isn't sin. Sometimes we feel dirty when temptation comes. We feel as though we've already made a mistake. We start saying sorry before we've ever even done something. And that's because the enemy likes to trick us. But listen, temptation is not sin. Our response to temptation can lead us towards sin, but it doesn't have to. In fact, temptation, if I would say the, 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 one of the benefits of temptation is temptation was not meant to cause us to sin. It is meant to help us conquer sin, to cause you to have the ability to conquer sin, to overcome it, to defeat it. And so temptation comes to us all. And you have to understand that temptation is twofold in order for it to work. It has to be based, part one, in a need. And we all have needs. In fact, did you know that being human means you have needs? <laughs> That's it. Like, you are a needy person, every one of you. <laughs> like, honestly, it, it's true. The human condition is to need. We need clothes. We need food. We need rest. We need care. We need love. We, you know, need, need, need. We're also needy. It's just true. It's just the way that we're made. And so uh, temptation takes a need, which we all have. And then uh, that's part one. And part two, in order for temptation to take place, it, temptation also d- drops into that need a doubt, a fearful doubt about how that need will get met. And so I want you to, to kind of experience this with me. When you're tempted, first thing that happens is you perceive a need. Oh my goodness, I really need that. And this need then is elevated and this need becomes stronger and this need becomes insatiable. And as a result, you're thinking about this need, you're mulling it over. But on the flip side, alongside with that comes a series of questions. And this is where the enemy loves to get involved. Questions like, will I always have this need? How could I ever resist this need? Why does God allow this need? And the human condition is to need, and so the enemy has plenty of opportunities to place those kind of fearful doubts in our minds. And so the tempter hopes that you're going to make a conclusion. And here's what he hopes. He hopes that you're going to conclude that God's not really going to help me, so I guess I better take care of this need on my own. I better just look after my own need. And so you want to know the recipe for temptation? It's very simple. A real need and a fearful doubt. And there you are. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Were you there last night? Are you going to be there tomorrow? Chances are we can all relate to this. We all face temptation. We all face the testing of our faith. And, 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 and the good news is this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Well, welcome to the party, friends. And God is faithful. Amen. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I really think that's why Jesus shared this story with the disciples, why it's in your Bible. It's there for you to know that there is a way out and Jesus shines the light on the path of that way out. And so let's look at it now. Let's look at this path now. 
And I want you to watch closely because in each of the three temptations, there is a need and a potential doubt that the enemy brings to Jesus. Let's start again at the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 4, and let's look at these three temptations. The first one, verse 1 to 3. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. There's the need. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, I want you to know that there was no assault on the deity of Christ here. It wasn't, Jesus, it wasn't the, the enemy saying, Oh, well, if, if you are the Son of God. That's the way it's translated in your Bible. But actually, it would be more accurate to say that, that, that the enemy was actually saying, well, since you are the Son of God. Like, hey, hey, we all heard God speak to you. Okay, Mr. Big Stuff, since you are the Son of God, why don't you make these stones into bread? I mean, can you imagine? There's a, there's a doubt that's planted here in the midst of that need, and that's, can you trust God's provision or do you need to do it yourself? Can you trust that God will protect you, provide for you? Where's your manna, Jesus? You know, the children of Israel were in the wilderness, but God gave them food. Where's your food? Aren't you hungry? Look at those little stones. I mean, they look like little tiny buns that just came out of the oven. Can you smell it, Jesus? Just zap them. And you can have yourself a really lovely little meal. Right? Here's the deal, though. Jesus had the ability to do that. He could have done it, and yet he chose not to. He chose not to do that, and there's a reason why. And it's a key to helping us fight. You see, this, what, what Jesus was going through right here is he was having physical temptations. We all have physical temptations. And, and honestly, this is very natural. It's not like my, our physical um, needs are bad or wrong. Don't, don't, don't mishear me. Your need for food is a normal need, right? Your need for love, companionship, relationship, intimacy, sex, those are normal needs. The problem is, is that the enemy wants you to jump the queue. And he wants you to do it in fulfilling those needs in a way that's not the best for you. It's not within the provision that God wants to give. And so Jesus, although having every capacity to meet his own need, chose not to. So how is it that you fight your physical temptations? How do you fight the temptation to overeat? The, how do you fight the temptation for forbidden sex and substances? How do you fight pleasure, self-gratifications? How, how, how do you fight that? And I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus did it in a very simple way. Here's what Jesus did. He focused on God's purpose. So the enemy brings the temptation the need is present. The question is there. Where's your manna? Where, where's God? Can you trust him? But Jesus responds with the purpose of God. Jesus answered him with the word of God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said to the enemy, oh, you think I'm hungry. I know where there's real food. 
In fact, I love that song that we sing, the GT Music song that says, Every Need, you know, every need you will meet, my empty cup now overflowing. He's in the desert, he's in the dryness. And, and in this moment, it would be so easy to just think about meeting that physical need. But there was a love feast going on, there was a companionship happening there, and it superseded that physical need because he was focused on God's purpose. And this plays out later in Jesus' ministry. He's at a well with a woman known as a Samaritan woman. He's ministering to her. He's revealing himself to her. And right in the middle of that, the disciples show up and they say, Jesus, get away from that woman. You're not supposed to be with her anyway. She's a Samaritan. But hey, it's time to eat. We got food. Come on, let's eat. And here's what Jesus says to his disciples in John 4. He says, he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Well, all of a sudden the disciples are thinking, okay, well, we'll just keep the bread anyway then. And here's what he says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, the enemy was saying, hey, eat, eat the bread, turn the stones into bread. And Jesus was saying, no, 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 I'm feasting on obedience right now. I'm actually eating obedience. I'm understanding something here. Jesus knew something. He knew that obedience is nourishment. There's nothing that nourishes you more than the obedience to the Lord, obedience to God's plan, to look into God's purpose and to live there. And the beautiful picture here is that Jesus submitted his, his unlimited divine power to meet his own need. He submitted that to the Father's purpose rather than using that unlimited divine power for his own need. And so... In my limited and very terrestrial power, <laughs> I can do the same. Every one of us here know God is faithful. He's given you gifts. And with those gifts come options. Right? You can use those gifts for yourself. Or you can use them for others. Don't you feel that temptation at times? What am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do with my energy? What am I going to do with my gifts, my administration, my leadership, my influence? What am I going to do with those things? Am I going to serve me? Or like Jesus, am I going to serve others? That's quite a temptation, isn't it? And Jesus shows us the path through it. Focus on God's purpose. Okay, number two. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Let me just explain that really quick. The temple was um, built on the side of a mountain, and so in order to make it level and to make it grand, Herod filled in a mountainside and made it flat. And so on one end, it was very deep in order to make like a plateau for the, for the um, temple to sit on. And so... I don't think that Jesus ever left the desolation. I don't think he left the wilderness. I think what happened is, is that the temptation took him to the place where he could see that, where he could experience that, where he could see himself standing on that highest point overlooking the, the temple courtyard, the wall, and down into the Kidron Valley. That would be about 400 feet. And, and from there, he'd be able to see the whole city of Jerusalem, and he'd be able to see the whole temple and all of its grounds. And from this vantage point, the enemy says to him, if you are the son of God, or as we've already learned, since you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. 
For it is written, you want to use the Bible, Jesus? I, can, I know the Bible too. Here it is. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see, that is a verse in Deuteronomy that talks about the Messiah. And so here it is. He's, he's saying, hey, you're the Messiah. Throw yourself down. The angels will come and wow, the spotlight. Everyone around, everybody in the city, everybody on the temple grounds, all the religious people, they'll all go, oh, Messiah is here. Wow, that's a pretty real temptation for a guy who knew what he was called to do. That's a really big temptation for someone who feels the kind of call and responsibility that he would have felt. There was an emotional need, this yearning to, to fulfill the plan of God, this emotional need. Since you're the son of God, prove it. Come on. What are you waiting for? You've got the ability. You've got the capacity. Do it. And so we all fight emotional temptations, don't we? Ours are a little bit different than that. Maybe they're insecurity. Maybe it's low self-esteem. Maybe it's that we've been wounded by words. Maybe we're unsure of our purpose. Whatever it might be, these emotional needs come to us. Maybe it's a, a woundedness from the past or a, or, or a fear about what's yet to come. But we all have emotional temptations. We do things because of them. And here's what Jesus says that you should do. Focus on God's plan. The enemy said, hey, we can short circuit that. We can move it quicker. Let's get there in a hurry. And Jesus responds, it's also written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. You're misusing the verses. You see, what, what Jesus was actually saying to him is, my life and the way that we live is by faith. It's not by magic tricks. I'm not here to do magic tricks, to create a sensational environment. I'm not here to be in the spotlight and to create my own way. And the same is true for you and me. The answer is not to dare God or to try to force God to prove his love. The answer is to trust that what God says about you in his word is true. It's actually true. God doesn't need to do another thing to prove his love to you. Friends, just listen to his word. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has a good plan for you. John 3, 16, he loves you with a sacrificial love. Ephesians 2, 8, you're a product of grace. Psalm 17, 8, you're the apple of his eye. Jeremiah 31, 3, he draws you with love and kindness. Matthew 28, 19, he wants to use you. You don't need something sensational to prove God's love to you. God sent Jesus. Praise the Lord. There's such freedom in that and the ability to fight that temptation. Let's move on to the third one. So then again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Similarly, I think he just, this was in, in the mind and in the experience of Jesus, still physically in the, in the desert, I believe. And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. In other words, he started seeing Rome and Greece and, and maybe he reached back into time and saw Babylon and, and Assyria and the Persians. Maybe, maybe he reached forward and he saw America and Canada. Who knows what he saw? It's all the nations of the world, all of their glory, all of their splendor. He saw it all. And then the enemy speaks. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Wow. 
I'm not sure if we can fully grasp this temptation, but it's like the enemy was saying, Jesus, I know why you came. I'll give it to you. You love this world, right? That's why you came. You want to rescue it? Well, well, you can have it. I'll give it all to you. I've got what you want. Just bow, and it's yours. I mean, this for us seems so clear. And yet, isn't there truth in it? Don't we often fight with the exchange? God says, I want to give you this. And we say, yeah, yeah, but I can have this. This looks really good. This looks glorious and and wonderful. And, And the doubt that's planted in us and the question, the fearful question that's there is, can we really trust God's way? Can we really trust God's rule? Can we do that? See, this is, this is representative of the psychological temptations that we feel. Sometimes we know that the battleground is right here. It's not physical. It's not emotional. It's right here between our ears. <laughs> and what a battle it is. What a battle it is. Selfish thinking, replaying negative experiences, fantasy life, um, temptation toward materialism and power and fame. I mean, it's all present here in this exchange. And you know what Jesus says we have to do? If you want to fight, how do you fight those psychological battles? You fight them by focusing on God's person. You focus on God himself. You worship him. This is the pathway to winning those, middle, those mental battles. Adore him. Humble yourself before him. Proclaim him as Lord. Rehearse truth. Share the word. Speak it out. And here's what Jesus says. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If you want to memorize a passage, memorize that one. <laughs> I will worship the Lord. I will serve him only. There are so many times where we are invited to bow. And so many times we're enticed to bow. And the truth is temptation always comes. And there is victory. I I believe it. There's victory. But that victory comes with a shift of our focus. We've got to look beyond the need. Can I just encourage you? That may be the most simple and foundational point in this whole message. When you're tempted, look beyond the need. Look past it. Where do I want to go? I want to follow God. I want his purpose. I want his plan. I want him. And when I start to focus that way, I can have victory. But here's the deal. Basically, through the temptation, and this is why this is such an important passage, through the temptation that Jesus experienced, he determined a few really key things. Number one, that he will not meet his own needs. He will let the Father meet his needs. Can you do that? Number two, that he will not force himself into the spotlight. He'll let the Father dictate the plan and the way. He had no desire to go viral on YouTube. He was comfortable with God's plan. And thirdly, he determined that he would not bow for political power or fame or platform. So where did that leave Jesus? Okay, God, I heard your voice. I know you're pleased. How can I please you the rest of the way? 
Jesus eliminated a lot of pathways here, didn't he? There's only one left. How was Jesus going to redeem the world? With a cross. That's how he was going to do it. To lay down his life, to become the lamb, to sacrifice himself And the death that he went through in the wilderness, in the temptation, was just illuminating the pathway to the death that he would have for every one of us. He would experience for you. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you chose the cross. Now here's the thing. You're going to be tempted, and you too can have victory. And Jesus really shines a beautiful light on on the way to navigate some of these things. But here's the deal. You're not the one who conquered in the wilderness. Jesus did. And so the way that you're going to win is not going to be to be perfect, but to be a really good follower. Can I just tell you this? Jesus is your victory. He won because he knew that you couldn't always win. There will be battles and you will have victory. There will be battles and you will fall down. But you still win (laughs) because Jesus won. So you get to live in that victory. So how do you do that? Just stay close to Jesus. Just stay close to Jesus. When you're tempted, just say, Jesus, you know what I'm going through. That's what Hebrews tells us. He was tempted in every way like us. Thank you, Jesus. You were tempted too. You know right where I'm at. You know this mental battle. You know this emotional battle. You know this physical battle. Jesus, be my victory. Turn your focus on him. Because he's the one who wins. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful. And I know my brothers and sisters today feel the same way. We are so grateful for the victory of Jesus. And we're so grateful for this beautiful passage that only you could have revealed. You wanted us to know this story. You wanted us to study it. You wanted us to learn it. And you want us to live life out of it. Jesus, You have victory. Thank you that you won in the wilderness and you redeemed and you still save today. And so for us, Lord, as we face our temptations, as we wrestle through our physical needs, our emotional needs, our psychological needs, the temptations that go with them, Lord, would you be our victory? Would you be our banner? Would you help us? Would you lead us, Lord? And we trust you and we abide in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.